All right. It's my pleasure, guys, to introduce to you Dr. Uh, Doug Weiss, who attends here. He's attended here, what, 20-some years, 12 years? He's written over 20, 25 books, 30 books. He's uh, been on Oprah, Dr. Phil, on and on, and he's been sober for 23, 24 years, drugs and alcohol, 25 years. And most importantly to me, he, he's, he's my colleague, he's, he's a mentor, and, and he's a friend, and uh, he's the real deal. And with that, uh, I introduce Dr. Doug Weiss. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, thank you, Corey. And I just want to just testify to you that uh, Corey is the real deal. I've known him for years, and I know him every week. And I, I, I see him develop as a man, grow as a man, take things on as a man, and, and talk to men. And so, yeah, you absolutely, you got a real gift here. And, and if you really, if you are struggling with stuff like that, call Corey. It's worth the time, worth the money. We got free support groups. You can do all that. And I want to, uh, the, the topic that I was given tonight was marriage. I've written five marriage books, I think, now. And um, I want to share just a few quick points with you. We've got about 25 minutes, and I want to encourage you. How many of you, you are married? Okay, how many of you think you're single? Okay, good. Right. Is there a single person here who thinks you're single? No, you're married to Jesus, so you just pay attention. You've got to be married to him first, because if he can't beat you up, you're not ready for a woman. That's why God gave Adam a job first, then a woman. Because you know what that's going to be like. All right. Now, but most of us are married, and I want to just share some quick points with you. And I want to share with you the attitudes or the aptitudes that can really be helpful in marriage. I've been married now for 26 years. Uh, my kids grew up in this church. Hadassah just uh, dropped her off at college just, uh, a couple weeks ago, and Jubal still goes here. He actually watches some of your kids up there on Sunday morning, and, and we've been happy to be a part of this church for 12 years since we've been in Colorado Springs, and I'm really excited what God is continuing to do. Amen? He is so alive. Now, one of the first things, that attitudes that God would like to see in marriage, the first one is appreciation. Because I want to let you just in on something. God did your marriage for you. You didn't do it. I didn't hear amen. amen. Now see right there, if you, if, you, if you got flawed thinking right there, you're already, you're, tr- you're in trouble. Okay? That's actually my phone. It'll go off. Okay? So sorry. Uh, that's never happened before. It's great. So the, um, the, what's important here is that you see that because see, first God made Adam. Right? Amen? Made him out of dirt. Right? Then he made woman. Then his final creation in the garden was marriage. It wasn't woman. See, what God was ultimately after, see, man and woman were the, the material he needed to create his final thing. His final thing was to create a, a trinity on earth as it is on heaven. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God the Father, Adam and Eve. You didn't do your marriage. Everyone say amen. God brought the woman to Adam. And somehow he confused her enough to marry you. Okay? Don't think you did marriage. Because if you think you did marriage, you think you got a lot more rights and powers. Go, go try to have someone marry you. It'd be a real hard sell, wouldn't it? I mean, I'm a man, right? We're not that. I don't, I don't know how men live with men. I don't get that. Because we're not really that fun. 
we're kind of selfish and pig-headed and, and kind of simple and... No? Yeah, yeah, okay, I'm in the right group. Okay. But he created marriage and he created it for you. Now, the purpose of marriage is to kill you, to make you like Jesus. That's why he married you to someone different than you. So that it would take Jesus for you to love her. How many of you are limited to love your wife? Oh, you've got to get more honest or I will really preach you down. Uh, I will. You'll be crying. It takes Jesus to love your wife, doesn't it? Because you run out of patience. You run out of self-control. You say stupid things like I do, right? Are you? Yes or no? Am I in a Presbyterian church tonight? I mean, I preach, I preach to Presbyterian church to talk more than you guys do. Okay? Yes, we need Jesus to do it. So appreciation is the first attitude. The second attitude that's going to really help me in marriage, and it helped me so much in marriage, is the attitude of unworthiness. I am unworthy of my wife. Everyone say unworthy. Now think about that. Because some of you think you're all special. You've still got a little look going on that makes you... You can get old and fat and ugly anyway. <laughs> all right? So I'm unworthy of Lisa. And as long as I am there, I am usually a better husband. As soon as I start thinking that she's not doing it for me, she's not doing enough for me, she ain't making me happy. Listen, her job wasn't to make me happy. If Jesus can't make you happy, you can't be made happy. Don't put that on your wife, because your wife can't make you happy. You might as well ask your dog to make you happy. Your dog can't make you happy either. Amen. Amen. So when you go home tonight, I want you to just look at your wife for a moment and realize you're unworthy to be in her presence. You're unworthy of 50 years of service, 70 years of service, thousands of hours of laundry and cooking and cleaning, dealing with your kids when they're sick and out of control. When you don't have a clue what to do with them, she has the genius of God. And you're unworthy of her presence. Now, doesn't that make it different? See, because if you think you're all worthy and hot and everything like that, you're going to walk in the house and think like you're supposed to be served. Some of you are like, oh yeah, that's me. That's okay. That's what we're here for, to repent. Okay? And if you think I'm wrong, go home and ask your wife. Okay? But I'm telling you, this attitude really changed me. When I realized that, it really, really helped me a lot. Another attitude that can be really important is vigilance to maintain. See, when God... You can read in Genesis 1 and 2. I'm not going to spend all the time flipping pages because it's going to take too much time. But in, in, in Genesis 1 and 2, when, when he said, you know what, we made this garden, but there's no man in the garden to maintain the garden. Now see, all men were created to do was to maintain. We are maintainers. Every man is a maintenance man. How many of you have a house? I mean, I got stitches on my finger from maintaining because I was doing some rock work. I mean, we maintain, Right? We maintain our lawn, we maintain our, our animals, we maintain our, our kids, our house. How many of you painted or dusted or done something with your house in the last 72 hours? Okay? And woman was placed in the garden. <laughs> and she's a maintenance project. Some of you have low-maintenance women. Some of you got medium-maintenance women. And some of you got high-maintenance women. Just depending on how much God trusted you with. 
Okay? But every woman is daily maintenance. Okay? Now, God himself showed up in the garden every day to maintain the relationship. Y'all with me? So your wife needs spiritual maintenance. If you're not praying with her, she will become dysfunctional. That's your fault. Plus, you'll get better sex if you're praying with your wife. If you're lazy spiritually, your sex life is going to stink. But I'm not here to... How many come back and teach them about sex one day? That takes at least 25 minutes. But, But she needs emotional maintenance. If you, if you email me, I'll send you the feelings list. Share two feelings with her every day. Just feelings. You say, oh, I don't do feelings. Great. Your wife's maintenance is going to be less because you don't. See, this isn't about you. This is about maintaining the car God gave you. Okay? How many of you got a car? A couple of you guys are too poor to not. Okay, so most of you have a car. And how many of you fuss about changing the oil or getting the oil changed? You don't because you accept the maintenance of the car. Accept the maintenance of a woman. That's what Paul said when he was talking about what man doesn't love his own body, what man doesn't feed it or clothe it. He was saying, guys, you spend eight to ten hours a day on yourself, maintaining yourself between sleep, eating, clothing, shaving, and bathing. You maintain yourself. So you accept the discipline of your body, accept the maintenance of a woman. The attitude of maintenance. Y'all with me so far? Okay, good. This is the very short version. Okay, but I just want, these are attitudes. Because if you have an attitude that she's going to maintain herself, you're done. You set her up to fail. She's going to get cranky, dysfunctional, and you are going to get an unhappy wife. That's your fault. Now, I'm not saying she can't be cranky and funky without you. But you don't want any part of being responsible before God with that. Amen? I mean, I'm not talking about hormones or menopause or any of that kind of stuff. That's on them. Okay? But I'm talking about what we can do. Now, the other thing is to make sure we have an attitude of protecting. Okay, protecting marriage is important. Have a porn filter on your phone. I haven't looked at pornography in 25 years. And that phone that just rang has a little icon for covenant eyes on it. Because I don't want to look at pornography. I'm not really tempted to look at it, but I don't even want it to be popping through my phone. Put one on your computer home, put one on your phone, have your accountability set up with some of the guys in your church or your friends or your father-in-law or your pastor. So if you go traping off somewhere you shouldn't be, someone gives you a phone call, what are you doing there? How many of you know if your wife knew everything you were doing on the internet, you probably would stay out of trouble, just generally? Yeah. Okay. There's no, there is no secret world. This church, more than any church knows, there's no such thing as a secret. We were taught that internationally. There's no such thing as a secret. So you have to protect your marriage. Amen. Don't be texting women that your wife doesn't know. That's not unprofessional. Don't be thinking you got a secret email account and God doesn't know about it. Okay. Don't be going on websites that you, you get it, right? Protect. Let me tell you a secret I've learned about men. And it's the truth. Men protect what they love. Okay? So if your sword is facing in the direction of protecting your family and your wife, and they're behind you, then you're aiming it at all the wickedness that's in the world. Yes or no? Now, if your sword is aimed at protecting the wickedness of the world so it can come in and you can eat it, then your sword is no longer facing your family. A man protects what he loves. So an attitude of protection. Amen? 
I mean, you're all good with that. Okay, good. Now, <laughs> an attitude of accountability. I love accountability. I have an accountability partner. I've had him for many, many years. His name is Bill. I haven't masturbated in over 25 years. I haven't looked at pornography, and I still call Bill. Why? I have an attitude of accountability. Now, let me give you something that'll help you. God's not just your father. He's your father-in-law. Now, let me talk about your father-in-law for a moment. (laughs) He's God. He's really God. He really created you. He created every man and woman on the earth. He has more power in a single thought than you'll ever have in your entire life. He can think it and it becomes. He can speak it and it's created. Amen? And he can spank you harder than you can ever imagine if you mess with his daughter. Now, if you think you're going to get away with anything, when you marry a daughter of God, you're the dumbest creature on planet Earth. How many of you have daughters? Corey just mentioned he has four daughters. Now, how do you think when young men start coming to Corey's house, right? Are they marry one of his daughters? Or marry my daughter, Hadassah? I pity the man. But... So, but if, but if someone comes to court her, or he marries her, he better treat her right, because 99% of my relationship with that young man is going to be how he treats her. Why? Because I'm his father-in-law. You have a relationship with God as, as a son-in-law. So does he like you or not like you? Does he like what you're doing with your daughter? His daughter? Does he think yelling at her is a really good idea? If you hit a daughter of God, I, you're dumber than a dog. God's going to spank you for that. You see what I'm saying? Like, I know Lisa is God's favorite daughter. And I know some of the favor of my life is because of the way I treat her. The first hour I come home is hers. I do laundry, I do dishes, I do homework, whatever needs to get done. I'm going to do it faster than her anyway. So why wear her out? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Think about that. Okay, so... But that accountability is really important. Because if you don't think you're accountable in your marriage, if you don't really think you're in a trinity, you think marriage is between a man and a woman, you have a secular definition of marriage. So the devil's got you already. No, marriage is not between a man and a woman. It's between a man, a woman, and God. Actually, in the other order. God, a man, and a woman. Amen? So I'm accountable to him. The second question I think I'm going to answer for my whole life is how I treated Lisa. The first one's going to be, how would you treat Jesus? And the second one's going to be how you treat the wife I gave you, and then the kids I gave you, and then the other things I gave you. I want an A on the second question. And I don't always do it right. And I have to say, I'm sorry, forgive me, I sinned, I was rude, I was unkind, I was selfish, I was an idiot, just like you do. But I say it. <laughs> so if you sin, just make sure you do that. Okay, we've got a little bit more time. Now, the last thing I want to really, I'm going to address, because it's an attitude that I see that sometimes the devil gets into Christian men that can really damage the man and the woman. Okay? Because once you believe a lie, its results are true. Does that make sense? Okay? Like if you believe you're worthless, the results of that belief will be true. You'll behave worthlessly, you'll do worthless things, you won't go for the better job, you won't train yourself up. The results of that belief will be true. Now, you can't be worthless because you're worth the blood of Jesus. Now, if you're thinking you're worth because of you, or you're looking at the wrong person, you're worth because of him. (laughs) Amen? He makes us worthy. 
And I was so grateful, amen? So grateful, he does. But this attitude is seen in several scriptures. So let me give you the scriptures, and then we'll kind of hit this. Mark 10, 35 through 45. Luke 22, 23 through 27. John 13, 1 through 17. Then 1 Peter 3, verse 7. Now I'm going to hit these as story points because we've got about seven minutes, okay? But trust me, I've got, I got four degrees, two of them are in Bible. Okay, so you, you can read on your own and just trust me, I'm trying to teach you some, some word here. This is the attitude of a secular idea of authority versus the kingdom of God. Now, several times in Jesus' ministry, he ran across this secular idea. And every single time, he had an attitude about it. Okay, so let's just talk about this for a minute. And then I'm going to make application to marriage. In Mark 10, 35, James and John, they want to have the, the right hand, and they want to sit at the right hand of God in the kingdom. Remember, the mom says, hey, Jesus, make my son the, the most important people in the kingdom, right? Put them in authority. Jesus rebuffs this. And, he said, and he, he's like, no, that, that's not the way, it's not the way it works. He even says, can you drink that cup? Well, yeah, you are going to drink that cup, by the way, but still, my father still appoints those places. We don't do one up here. We're equal here. It was interesting. God, Jesus, when he tossed a prayer, he said, our father, not my father. Jesus made himself equal with us. If he can do that, we should do that. No matter how rich you are, or smart you are, or tall or short you are, we're all equal. Somebody say amen. Amen. We are interdependent beings. In Luke 22, 23 to 27, the same kind of story. Rebuffing someone wanting to be an authority. He says, now, if you want to be important, be like this child. If you want to be chief among them, be servant. Amen? Again, he's saying, if you really want to be, you want to have, have, be authority, be a servant. Be a child. And I think that's a good idea, especially in marriage. In John 13, Jesus knew all things. Now, in this particular scripture, in John 13, what have I got? About six minutes. John 13. Oh, I should have preached. Okay, let me get there. This is, I think, the washing of the feet thing. Am I right? Okay, good. So someone's had me. Good. So that's where Jesus washed. The... Now, Jesus knew he was going to die. He knew he was God. Amen. Did we... Jesus knew he was God, right? So did Jesus knew he was greater than Peter. He knew he was greater than Peter. And yet he says, now, I'm going to wash your feet. I'm going to teach you something. If you truly think you're greater, you serve with your greatness. See, men are the head of their wives. They're the servant head. They're not the ruler head. If you want to rule over your wife, you don't think you're in a trinity. You think you're in a monarchy. There is a king in your marriage. His name is Jesus. He's almighty. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing, and he's better looking than you. Amen? His glory will put you on your knees. You're not that hot. And we're not that bright. I'm glad there's a king in my marriage and his name is Jesus. Do you know what I'm saying? I like hanging around him. He gives me lots of ideas. Okay? I take notes and they call them books. Okay? So it's great. I love him. All right? But if you think you're king of your wife, you're dead. You are her servant. You think you're greater? You are. You're stronger. You're faster. You usually need less sleep than your wife. Amen? Have you ever go to a hotel on vacation? It's all the guys up at 5 o'clock in the morning sitting in the lobby. I never see girls down there, right? 
Why? Because we need less sleep, we're stronger, and we're faster. Your greatness was to serve. Your strength is to serve. You can do laundry later than her. You can do dishes earlier than her. You can get up and make sure the house is clean before she gets out of bed on Saturday. Oh, somebody say amen. See, when you get to serve your wife like that, and that's a joy to you, you then have the Spirit of God on you. You don't have to worry about the rest of your anointing because you're anointed right there. Why? Because God's liking you. You want the favor of God? It's real simple. Love who he loves. We already established he loves your wife. Yes? Serve her, and you'll feel the smile of God. Make her serve you constantly, you will feel his displeasure. There won't be promotions for you. There'll be demotions for you. You'll be the guy who gets chosen to lose his job. So now you have more time to do dishes and laundry. Do you see what I'm saying? No, I'm not saying that if, that if you lost a job, that's why. I'm just saying, think about the way you treat her. And if you were your father-in-law, would you bless you or not bless you? <laughs> Amen? See, I serve a father-in-law God who has the power to bless me. So I really want to bless her to make him like me. Amen? Okay, so I know I'm out of time. But I want to encourage you. Really value the gift. It's a gift. And some of you may have lost a wife. And if you lose them to death, you know you had a gift. So I'm like, why wait till she dies? Enjoy the gift today. Lord, we thank you so much for the gift of marriage, the gift of friendship, the gift of men. Thank you for the brotherhood. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, who am I turning it over to? All right. Thank you, guys. Wasn't that good? Some of you guys, because I know some of you, um, some of you that is inspiring. Some of you, it's motivational. You're ready to go home. You're going to pray with your wife tonight. How many of you guys are going to do that? Three of you. Six, nine, ten, twelve, more, right? I know some of you guys, you hear a message like this, and it's just like you don't even know where to go. You don't even know where to begin. And you know what? Grace to some of you guys. How many of you, if you're willing to be honest, show me a hand, how many of you are simply stuck in your marriage? Stuck. Thank you for your courage. Thank you. Let me read something to get us all moving. Guys, write it down. Put your eyes on it. I'll give you just a few seconds to get it. 2 Timothy 2.22. 2 Timothy 2.22. Some of you guys might know it. Give you guys a second to put eyes on it because I want you to revisit it later. Maybe later tonight. Maybe first thing in the morning. This is for all of us, but particularly for the guys who are stuck. And you need to get moving. It says, flee. Flee from the desires of youth. My teenage Bible, King James Bible, it's highlighted in red and yellow and green and blue and underlined about six times. Flee youthful lust. In the secular vernacular, it's haul the other way. Because <laughs> you're in trouble. And what, it, what is it for the guys that need to get moving? What's the next verb there? What's the word? And pursue righteousness, faith, 
love, peace, and here's the power, fellas, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. This is what we do, guys. We set it up. Guys like Corey come and share. Wasn't that great with Corey tonight? Do you realize how much courage it takes to be able to share that? And then for Dr. Dub to come teach us, instruct us, to get us moving. And then this is your time, guys. This is a time for you to come and to be able to get things moving. Faith, love, righteousness, peace. Those are good things. Along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. If you're pursuing secrecy in the dark, I exhort you, turn, repent, and it's time to pursue. Pursue the righteousness of God and the relationships of your brothers. Guys, this is a safe place. That's what this is. It takes time to build trust. Some of you guys have had trust broken. I understand. Grace to you. This is a place, however long it takes, come, sit, receive. When you're ready to engage, that's why we're here. They're particularly in this area of addiction. There are guys that are here to encourage you, but there are some guys that may not be here to equip you. And that's where I want you to come up here for you guys who are really stuck and see my friend Corey. Amen. Corey, this is what he has committed his life to do, and the workman is due his wage. It is something he does for, for, for his work, and he's got four beautiful girls. So if you've got issues, he can help you. You pay him, you feed the girls. You got it? Corey's up here, and they're a lot prettier than he is. So, so that's where we get going. What we're going to do tonight, our breakouts tonight, if you don't need to see Corey, I want you to go one of three places. The Brotherhood in the back section uh, is going to be led by my friend Matt Nye. Matt Nye is a road warrior, travels all the time. He's got a powerful story. It is one of the most powerful, redemptive stories that he is going to share with you tonight. He made some choices about seven years that he nearly lost his family, his, his wife, his beautiful girls, and God did a miracle in his life, and he is now restored to his family, and we're celebrating seven years, and he's going to share that. Some of you guys had that story. Some of you guys need to hear Matt's story. So brotherhood over here. For the one degree, for the guys in the calling, design section, Charlie Dockma is here tonight, and he's going to be leading through life story. Hey, Charlie. So, and then for the guys wanting to connect with mentors, wise guys, guys that are a little further along with you, Greg Winters is going to lead us through that time. So, got a couple of prayer guys here. Uh, Jason Foster, would you stand up and wave a hand? How many, how many other guys we got here to pray? A couple of hands. Let me see. Who could be willing to pray with some young guys? Right here. Bob? Greg? No, you're busy, Greg. You can't do that. So, okay. So, prayer guys, we're going to be right back here in the center. If you guys just need some prayer, that's what we're here for. Are you guys glad you came tonight? I'm glad you came. So we're going to break, take as long as you need, and um, welcome. Wasn't this good tonight? It's very good. Men's retreat in the back. You guys, that's coming up, so looking forward to it. Let me pray again, I'll break. Father, thank you. Thank you for the courage of these men for coming out. God, I just pray just your, your blessing in these next few moments. Wherever there's a guy who's lonely... Lord, I just pray that you would just allow him to just enjoy sweet fellowship with good brothers. And Lord, let, let every man that walks into this place who's discouraged walk away encouraged. For the guys that need to get equipped and, 
in areas of their marriages and other places, I pray that they would be equipped. And so I would just pray your blessings on this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm.